The topic for tonight is how to move on after you after your failure and disappointment in life. And like I said, this is chapter seven uh, of leading from the second chair. The character that we'll focus on is it's a young man called John Mark. Actually, he was in his teens when he was introduced in the Bible. John Mark was a son of a man from Cyrene, and I'll show you on the map where Cyrene is. Cyrene, it's a, it's a city, today it's called Shehat. Shehat is a city in, in Libya, in Africa. So this young man, John Mark, originally was from Africa. The name of his father is Aristopoulos. Aristopoulos, it's a very interesting name. So that was the name of his father. They were from Cyrene in Africa, in Libya. The name of um, his mother is Mary. Mary is the name of the mother of John Mark. Now there are quite a number of things that we uh, we know about Mary. One of the things that we know about Mary is um, she had a big house. Her house, you know, actually it was where the first church was housed in. She was one of the supporters of Jesus. As Jesus was uh, walking around with his disciples, spreading the gospel, Mary was one of those who were supporting him. So Mary was a well-to-do woman with her husband, Aristopoulos. So they, they, they were good financially, and they were able to support the ministry of Jesus. Now, in the Bible you read of Jesus when he was about to enter the city, and he said, to his disciples, he sent two of his disciples, he said, go into the city and you will find to the village and you will find a man, you will meet with a man who uh, probably find him with a bucket of water and ask him where the, the Lord can have supper with his disciples. Studies indicate that uh, that house where they had supper, the last supper in the upper room, in actual fact it was Mary's house, it was Mary's house. And you will see that as we as we continue. Now that very same upper room that we see is the same upper room that they were. After Jesus was crucified and he resurrected and you know the disciples were afraid and they went to hide. The the upper room where they were hiding, it was Mary's house. In actual fact, on the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, they were in that upper room, they were in Mary's house. Let me say this from the beginning. We said this family was from Africa. They moved from Cyrene and they moved to, to Jerusalem. And the point that I want to bring to you is Africans have been involved in the gospel from the beginning. When the Holy Spirit came, it was in the house of an African. When Jesus had the Last Supper, it was in the house of an African. And you can see how God has been using Africans even right from the beginning. One other uh, figure that we will see is Peter. We'll talk about Peter. We all know about Peter. We have heard so much about him. And Paul. I think we all know Paul. He was from a city called Tessas. Tessas is today it's a place called Mersin in Turkey. It's in Turkey. The other gentleman that we'll see in our study tonight is Barnabas. Barnabas 
was John Mark's cousin. So they were, they were related. He was from an island. And the name of the island is Cyprus. And we'll look at that tonight also. So we can see that in Acts chapter 4 verse 36. The Bible says, for instance, there was Joseph. Joseph is Barnabas. The one the disciples nicknamed Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. Son of encouragement. Another reason why, you know, Barnabas was called son of encouragement, you will see it as you read the scriptures. We all know how Paul converted and became a Christian. And everybody was afraid of him. So when he went back to Jerusalem and he was supposed to, to join the main church, everyone was still afraid of him. But it's Barnabas who encouraged them. Barnabas welcomed him. Barnabas had faith in him. He trusted him. And he introduced Paul to the church in Jerusalem. And they, they accepted him. And so it was because of Barnabas that's why Paul was finally accepted by the church. He was from the tribe of Levi. The tribe of Levi, these are the people who were responsible for saving in the temple. And came from the island of Cyprus. So this is what I was saying, that... Um, Barnabas came from the island of Cyprus. And I will show you in the map in the next few minutes or so where that is. He sold a field. He sold a field he owned and he brought the money to the apostles. Actually, it was after Ananias and Sapphira. After they saw what he did, they felt sort of challenged or felt jealous about it. And they also sold their, their property. But unfortunately, they didn't give the disciples all the money. They didn't give the apostles all the money. And we all know the story of Ananias and Sapphira. So I'm not going to go through that. But this was a man who, who challenged them. You know, after they have seen what he did. And they also wanted to do the same thing. And finally, we'll conclude by the lessons from John Mark. We'll conclude by the lessons from John Mark. Let's quickly look at the map and see the place that we, we are talking about here. Now, I want us to look at this map. If you look here, this is Africa. Now, down here you have South Africa. That's where most of you are tonight. And from South Africa, when you move north, uh, we have uh, Zimbabwe. Then we have Mozambique. We have Zambia. I know some of you are in Zambia right now. And we have uh, Botswana. As you go up, we have Tanzania and we have DRC, Democratic Republic of Congo. Then when you go up, we have Sudan. You know, we have Egypt and we have Libya. And we are going to look at Libya. Cyrene, that's the city where uh, John Mark came from. Here is a city called Cyrene. And, but today the name of the city has changed. It's called uh, Shehab. Shehab. I mean, Shehad. So Shehad is the new name of the, or the current name of the city of Cyrene. The current name of the city of of Cyrene. So they moved from Africa, they moved from here, from Libya, and they moved to Jerusalem. This is Jerusalem here. That's where they moved to, to Jerusalem. Now what you are going to see tonight, you are going to see the moving from here to Jerusalem, then we will see John Mark moving from Jerusalem, and he will go to Antioch, to the church in Antioch, the church in Antioch is up here in Syria. In the name of the area or the place today, it's called Antakya. Antakya. Antakya, that's where the church of Antioch was. So he will move from Jerusalem all the way to Antakya and he will go with Barnabas and Paul. And from here, the church of Antioch, that's where the first Christians, that's where the name Christians, uh, that's where the disciples of Jesus, the followers of Jesus were called Christians for the first time at this church 
That was in Antioch. And it was pastored by Barnabas. It was pastored by Barnabas. Barnabas, remember, he was a cousin of John Mark. And God sent them out on their first missionary trip. From Antioch, they moved to Cyprus. Cyprus, this is the island that we're talking about. That's where uh, Barnabas came from. He came from this island of Cyprus. So John Mark, he came here with Paul and Barnabas. And from here, they spent some time here. And from here, they moved to a place called Perga. This is Turkey up here. This is Turkey. That's where Paul came from. In actual fact, this is the city where Paul came from. Mercy. That, that's what we call Tarsus. Tarsus is here. The same area. That's where Paul came from. He came from this city. So, they moved from Cyprus and they went to do some missions here to a city called Perga. And here, when they reached here, in this area, John Mark gave up. He gave up and he went back to, to his house. He went back to home to, to Jerusalem. And that's what we're going to look at tonight. I hope it will make sense as we, as we continue. I hope it will make sense as we continue. But that's what we'll be looking at tonight. And I believe God is going to help us, you know, as we uh, continue with our studies for tonight. So let's look at some few things that I want us to, uh, to understand here. We have looked at this map also. The same map that I was showing you. You know, this is Cyrene. This is uh, Jerusalem. And this is uh, Antioch here. Antioch in Syria. Because there are more than two uh, Antiochs. There is another Antioch here in this area. So uh, this one is Antioch in Syria. From Antioch they went to Cyprus. And Cyprus that's when they went up here to, uh, to Pega. And that's where uh, John Mark left them. And we are going to look at that in the next few minutes also. So this is the same map, this is the sea of, I mean the Mediterranean Sea, and this is Jerusalem, uh, this is Damascus, that's where Paul was converted, and here this is Antioch, and this is Tarsus, that's where Paul came from. So this is the island of Cyprus that we have been talking about here. It's just, uh, just, the, just to emphasize and to help you understand where we are. Okay, now we are good to go. Let's start. Where we start is when we see Peter who was released by an angel. I think most of you know the story of Peter being released by an angel. Herod, he, he killed James. James was the brother of John. So after he killed James and he realized that a lot of people were happy about it. And he continued to persecute the Christians. And now he was about to uh, also to kill or assassinate or to kill Peter. But what happened is, while he, he took Peter and he put him in jail, and a day before, or a night before, he, he could kill him, because he was planning to kill him on the day, I mean, after the Passover. So, the night before he killed him, the angel of the Lord came, and he released Peter. And when the angel came and released Peter, Peter went to Mary's house. That's where all the disciples were hiding, that's where they were praying, that's where uh, they were meeting. Actually, that's where the first church started. So here what you see is Peter was released. Let's look at Acts chapter 12 verse 12. When he realized this, he went to the home of Mary. This is Peter after he, he was released. He went to the home of Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door in the gate, and a servant girl named Rhoda came to open it. And this, just this verse only, it, it's very rich. It tells us a lot about Mary. It tells us a lot about 
the house of Mary. And by that time, probably, the reason why it's called the, the home of Mary, probably the, the husband was dead at that point. Another thing that we see is, Mary was the mother of John Mark. But one other thing is, these people, they were praying. So this house was a house of prayer. John Mark grew up in, a, in, a, in an environment of prayer. Another thing that we see here is they had a servant. To me, having a servant, it means they had money to be able to pay servants. So they had people working for them. So probably they had money or they were rich. They were rich. Thank you, Gino, for, for watching. I can see you. Thank you. So here, another thing is Mark was a very obscure biblical figure. In other words, he was not that known. Very few people knew about Mark. Mark was not one of the twelve apostles. He was not one of the twelve apostles. But another thing that we see here is he grew up in a home of Mary. Possibly, like we said, Mary was a Levite. As we have seen that John Mark, I mean, uh, 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 Barnabas was a Levite. was from the tribe of Levi. So probably Mary also was a Levite because they were related. They were cousins. Another thing that we see here is many people were gathered for prayer. Many people were gathered for prayer uh, at a place or in that house. So what we see here is it was a house of prayer. So uh, John Mark grew up in a house of prayer, in a house where their parents were praying. Their family was praying. And this is the key. You see towards the end as we're going to finish why I keep on emphasizing this. John Mark, the name John is a Hebrew name. Actually, it comes, the name John is a Hebrew name. It's, it's, it's called, uh, the name is Yohanan. Yohanan, it simply means Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. That's where Yohanan comes from. Yahweh is gracious. Yahweh is gracious. The other thing that we see here is, um, Something that is, very, that is very, very interesting that we see also. Uh, it, Recording in progress. During that time, during that time, most people had two names. Most people had two names. So, here we see John, had, the first name was Yohanan, meaning Yahweh is gracious. And also he has a Greco-Roman name called Marcus. Marcus. And that's how we get the English name Mark. So that's why it was called John Mark. I know last time I talked about this also. And let me just say this in passing. Paul did not convert and change his name from Saul to Paul. Paul had two names, just like we see here with John Mark. He had two names. Saul, and that's the name that was used in, the, in, in his Hebrew native language, Saul. And probably that name Saul, he was named after his great, 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 great grandfather. Uh, Remember King Saul, the first king of Israel? Because all of them, they were from the tribe of Benjamin. So that's where his name Saul came from. But then, when he moved out of the, out of the Jewish environment, out of the Jewish environment, he used this Greek name. And his other name was Paul. So Saul did not change his name to Paul. It's the same person. If you want to check that, I think it's in, uh, I think it's Acts chapter, probably it's chapter 15 or chapter 16, verse 9. Uh, you can check, you can check it there, uh, verse 9. So you will see the, what I'm talking about, that Paul, it's, it said, Saul, whose other name was 
Paul. Saul whose other name was Paul. So you will see that as you, uh, when you get a chance to look at that. Mary held a position of some prominence in the church. She, she, she was one of the top people in the church. You know, it was after Jesus has resurrected, after Jesus has ascended to heaven. So they continued with the church and after the Holy Spirit came, so they continued with the church and then they held these church meetings at their place. So they were using a house for, for church meetings. That's where the first church was established. Here we see John Mark, like I said, his father, Aristopulus, originally came from Cyrene, and we have seen where Cyrene is. Today it's called Shahad in, in Libya. That's where he came from. After leaving Jerusalem, remember Paul, after he, uh, after he converted in Damascus, he went back to Jerusalem. But then he didn't stay long in Jerusalem. He left Jerusalem and he went back home to Tarsus. And it is said that Paul was quiet. It was silent. Nothing is said about Paul for eight years. Nobody knew where Paul was. So in, for eight years, he was, in, he was in Tarsus. But then during that time, Barnabas was sent to Antioch to pastor a church in Antioch. So when Barnabas was sent to Antioch to pastor the new church in Antioch, look at what he did. He did not forget about Paul. In Acts chapter 11 verse 20, the Bible says, However, some of the believers who went to Antioch from Cyprus and Cyrene began preaching to the Gentiles about the Lord Jesus. Verse 21, The power of the Lord was with them, and a large number of these Gentiles believed and turned to the Lord. So we have more people believing, and the church in Antioch is growing, growing and growing. And the main church in Jerusalem, they heard that the church in Antioch is growing. When the church at Jerusalem heard what had happened, then they sent Barnabas to go and pastor the church where? In Antioch. So they sent them to go and pastor the church in Antioch. Look at what uh, Barnabas did when he reached Antioch. Verse 25. Then Barnabas, he went on to Tessus to look for Saul. Barnabas did not forget about Saul. He knew that he should be somewhere. Then that's when he went to Tessus to search for him. When he had found him, he brought him back to Antioch. Both of them stayed there with the church for a full year, teaching large crowds. So the church was so big in Antioch. He had large crowds. It was at Antioch that the believers were first, for the first time they were called Christians. And up to today you are still called Christians because of the name that was given to the church in Antioch. Now verse 29. So the believers in Antioch, they decided to send relief to the brothers and sisters in Judea because there was famine down there in Jerusalem. So the church in Antioch, you know, they, they collected something to go and give. They collected some offerings and some other stuff to go and give to the church down there in Jerusalem. Now everyone giving as much as they could. Verse 30. This they did, entrusting their gifts to Barnabas. And Saul. So they sent Barnabas and Saul from Antioch to go to Jerusalem to give them uh, the gifts that they have uh, collected, whatever offerings they have collected. Let's go look at verse 25. Acts chapter 12, verse 25. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission to Jerusalem, then they had to go back to, to Antioch. So then they returned. Who do they take with? They took John Mark with them. I'm sure the mother of John Mark was so happy. Because as a Levite, she would love to see her son also serve in ministry. And here we see 
John Mark uh, going back to Antioch with Saul and Barnabas or with Paul and Barnabas. And they go and pastor the church over there. So when they are there at the church, and we see God, He sent them out to go outside Antioch to go and minister the gospel. In chapter 13, Acts chapter 13 verse 1. Among the prophets and teachers of the church at Antioch, that's when they were back in Antioch now, of Syria, were Barnabas, Simeon called the black man, so this is here's another African here, Simeon called the black man, we have Lucius who was from Cyrene, Cyrene, that's the island where uh, Barnabas came from. We have Manen, the childhood companion of King Herod Antipas, and Saul. Verse 2. One day as these men were worshipping the Lord and fasting, as they were praying, and the Holy Spirit said, Appoint Barnabas and Saul for the special work to which I have called them. So here we see God speaking to them to say, Okay, set apart Barnabas and Saul to go and do some special work. God wanted them to go out and do ministry work, to do missionary work. Verse 3. So after more fasting and prayer, the men laid their hands on them and sent them on their way. So they sent them out to go on a first missionary journey, on their first missionary trip. So here we see Barnabas and Saul. They were sent out by the Holy Spirit. And they went down to the seaport of Cilicia and then sailed for the island of Cyprus. Here is Cyprus again. Here is Cyprus again. Then, in the town of Salamis, they went to the Jerusalem synagogues and preached the word of God. John Mark went with them as their assistant. This is a key. And this will take us through our study for tonight. John Mark went with them. He accompanied them. But as what? As an assistant. And that's why you see the second chair here. Was an assistant. He was not the leader. He was not the chairperson. He was not the pastor. He was not the bishop. He was not the senior leader. He went there as an assistant. This is John Mark. He was an assistant. And that's why we see the second chair a leadership start here. Paul and his companions then left Pamphos by ship for Pamphylia. Landing at the port of, at the port town of Perga. When they reached Perga, there John Mark left them and returned to Jerusalem. So Mark, we see him, he accompanied Barnabas and Paul on their first missionary journey. It's unfortunate that Mark did not complete the journey with them. When they reached Perga, he went back home. He was still a young man. And some people are saying maybe he missed his mom back home. Maybe he was afraid because the place was so ragged and scary. Let's quickly look at this journey. Here we see them. They left, I mean, Barnabas and Paul, they left Jerusalem with John Mark and they went to Antioch. When they were in Antioch, we see God telling them that they should go on a missionary trip. And here is a, a, the port of Cilicia. That's where they left. They got a boat or they got into a ship and it took them all the way to Salamis, and from Salamis they went. I mean, they were here in Pamphys, and this is uh, this is the, the island of Cyprus. And from here they went to Perga. When they reached here in Perga, John Mark gave up. John Mark could not continue with them. The Bible does not give us reasons why he left, but the Bible says he just left. 
and he went back to Jerusalem. He went back to Jerusalem. So, when he went back to Jerusalem, there is something that took place there. When he arrived there, Peter was still there, and Peter welcomed him back. So, Paul was so disappointed by Mark. That did not go well with Paul. Actually, Paul had a grudge against him. He was not happy. He was not happy because he, he just left them. Now, Barnabas and John, John Mark, they were cousins, remember. So, John Mark and, and Barnabas, since they were relatives, there was no way Barnabas would leave John Mark. Colossians chapter 4 verse 10 just indicates to us that they were, they were relatives. Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And so does who? John Mark, Barnabas' cousin. So they were cousins. Barnabas, Barnabas and John Mark, they were cousins. Now, as you instructed before, make uh, Mark welcome if he comes your way. Peter was well known. To Mark. You remember when, when he left the jail, he went to John Mark's house. So, from that time, after, after John Mark left Paul and Barnabas, he went back home. And Peter was still there. So, here Peter was started to work with John Mark in ministry. First Peter chapter 5 verse 13, the Bible says, Your sister, your sister church, here in Babylon, sends you greetings. So, it's like, Peter here is in Babylon. It's somewhere, that's the area where today we call it the Iraq, Iran area. That's in Babylon. And he says, and so does who? My son Mark. So what, what tells us is, after John Mark left, left Saul, after he left Paul and Barnabas, and he went back home, he started working with Peter in ministry. So they traveled to many places. One of the places that they traveled was Babylon. So, Peter worked so much closely with John Mark until he had to call him his son. His son in ministry. Peter welcomed Mark back after he deserted Paul and Barnabas. Peter did not give up on, on John Mark. I'm sure his mother, I mean John Mark's mother, he, she, she was so disappointed because she expected his son to be full-time in ministry. She expected his son to do great in ministry. But unfortunately, he left them. He disappointed them. And when he came back, here we see Peter, he did not give up on John Mark. Peter showed him love. And we'll see that later in the next few minutes or so, why Peter did this. But Peter showed him love. He welcomed him, he told him, well, I understand you did not finish the journey with them. I understand you did not do what you were supposed to do. I understand you did not do what you expected to do. But I will still show you love. I will still support you. I will still be there for you. Mark worked with Peter in ministry. And Mark became more closer to Peter than Paul and his cousin Barnabas. So, as Peter was preaching, as Peter was speaking all over, Mark had become like a son to Peter. He worked with him in ministry. Mark traveled with Peter to Rome. They traveled everywhere together. And Mark served as Peter's scribe because Peter was not, he was not educated. So Mark was always the one who was writing everything for Peter. He helped him. And by the way, John Mark was educated. 
John Mark was educated. He knew quite a number of languages at that point. So he was able to interpret for Peter everywhere they went. They were so close in ministry to an extent that he already knew all the sermons that Peter was speaking, was preaching about. He would write them down. He would scribe for them. He would write the notes for him and everything for him. So Peter understood the power of forgiveness and grace and reconciliation. They worked together. Until to an extent that I mean, John Mark, he will know, you know, when you work with, with a pastor, when you work with your bishop or somebody who, who preaches the same message everywhere he goes, until you understand. I could imagine, you know, John Mark, he will say to Peter, Peter, can you remind me about that event again? Because all the, that Peter was preaching about, he was just preaching about his time with Jesus, the time that he spent with Jesus. So he will keep repeating all those miracles, all those stories of what happened when he was still with Jesus. So Peter understood the, the, the power of forgiveness because Peter also, he was forgiven. You remember in John chapter 21, when earlier, when Peter denied Jesus three times, in John chapter 21, Jesus found them at the beach and he asked Peter the first, the very interesting question. John chapter 21 verse 15, he says, Bible says, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon son of John, do you love me more than these? What a question, what a question. Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter remembered that, oh, by the way, I disappointed him. By the way, I denied him three times. And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And Jesus said to him, feed my lambs. This is a very powerful statement. Feed my lambs. I know you failed me. I know you disappointed me. But you still have a purpose. There is still something more that you can do. I want you to go and feed my lambs. Go and give them what I'm giving you right now. I'm giving you forgiveness. I'm giving you love. I'm giving you acceptance. I accept you again. And I want you to go and do the same thing to others. Here we see Peter also. He understood the power of forgiveness. He understood the power of reconciliation. Peter understood grace. Because Jesus was gracious to him. My brother, my sister, I wish you could also have that same gracious understanding. Always have the same forgiveness. Always have the same spirit of reconciliation. Understand that you have been forgiven and also you have been sent out to forgive other people. You have reconciled with God. Go and reconcile with others. Understand the power of grace and forgiveness. Jesus says to Peter, go and give my sheep. What I gave you. That's why it was easy for Peter to accept John Mark. Even when he messed up. Even when he gave up. We see Peter he still accepts him in ministry. Peter remembered what Christ did for him. Before he could condemn Mark. Before he could say all the bad things that Mark has done. Before he could say all the areas and the places where Mark failed. Still we see him here. He welcomed him. He took his mandate so serious. So when Jesus says, go and feed my sheep, Peter took it so serious. Your belief system and Christianity will be tested at some point. When God gives you a mandate, at some point there will come a time when your faith will be tested and you have to pass the test. Here it was Peter, his faith was tested, the mandate was tested, his commitment was tested, and Peter passed the test. 
He welcomed and accepted John Mark. John Mark who has failed in ministry. John Mark who has been rejected in ministry. In Acts chapter 15 verse 38. The Bible says here we see Paul here. He wanted to go back on ministry again. He wanted to go back. But then what happened is. They had a disagreement with John Mark. Acts 15 verse 38. But Peter did not think. I mean Paul did not think. It was wise to take him back. Because here, Paul was saying to, uh, to Barnabas, let's go back to those churches that we have visited earlier. Let's go back and visit them and see how they are doing. So, in verse 39, I mean verse 38, Paul says, okay, let's go. But then, Barnabas said, no, okay, let's go, but let's take my, uh, my cousin, John Mark, again. Let's give him a second chance. Verse 37, Barnabas said, but Paul did not think it was wise to take him. Paul did not agree with Barnabas. Because he had deserted them in Pamphylia. I don't know it was, how many years it was. Maybe two years, five years ago. I don't know. But Paul had a grudge. He still remembered that at some point, this young man, he deserted us. He left us. He did not continue with us in ministry. Verse 9. They had a sharp, very sharp disagreement. That they parted company. Here we see Barnabas started to argue with Paul. Barnabas says, I'm go- we are going with Mark. Paul says, no. We are going with Mark. Paul says, no. We are going with Mark. Paul says, no. They continue to argue to and fro, to and fro. Until one of them said, okay, just go by yourself. If you are not going with Mark, I'm not going with you. Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. They went to the island of Cyprus again. But Paul chose Silas. Now from here onwards, you will start to see Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. Paul and Silas. They shifted. I mean, they divided. Now we have two teams here. Paul expressed a desire to go back to visit the churches, but then Barnabas wanted to go with John Mark. And Paul refused. So the disagreement was so sharp until they had to separate. So now we end up having two teams here. We have Paul and Silas and they travel to Syria. And we have also Barnabas and John Mark. They travel to Cyprus. Eventually Paul and Mark later they worked out their differences. Finally they reconciled. And we'll see that later as we continue. So Mark was with Paul. During his first Roman imprisonment. So when Paul was later imprisoned in, in Rome. They had reconciled with Mark. They were together, they worked together again in ministry with Mark. Colossians chapter 4 verse 9. I'm also sending uh, Onesimus, a faithful and beloved brother, one of your own people. He and Tychicus will tell you everything that's happening here. Verse 10, Aristarchus, who is in prison with me, sends you his greetings. And who? And so does Mark. This is Paul writing here. And so does Mark, Barnabas' cousin. As you were instructed before, make Mark welcome if he comes your way. He's telling the Colossians here, in case Mark comes there, please, please take care of him. Please take good care of him. Support him. Give him all the support that he needs. So here we see Paul and Mark, I mean at some point they reconciled. Near the end of his life also we continue to see Paul, he writes that Mark was useful to him in ministry. The very same Mark that he rejected. 
I could imagine as they were arguing to and fro. I don't know if John Mark was there in the room and he had the argument. And they were arguing that no, I don't want him. And they rejected him. And, and John Mark said, okay, I can hear, I can realize that Paul does not like me anymore. But finally they reconciled. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Demas has deserted me. This is Paul writing to Timothy. By the way, we have this also. Timothy is one of the chapters also in leading from the second chair. It's one of the chapters that I have there on this. Second Timothy chapter 4 verse 10. Demas has deserted me because he loves the things of this life and has gone to Thessalonica. Christians has gone to Galatia and Titus has gone to Dalmatia. In other words, everybody has left me. Let's look at verse 11. This is very interesting. Verse 11. Only Luke is with me. When you come, please, please, of all the people, I don't care about the other people, please bring Mark with me. Please bring Mark to me with you. Please bring Mark to me. Please bring Mark to me. When you come, for he will be helpful to me in what? In my ministry. The very same John Mark that you rejected. The very same John Mark that you said he is useless. The very same John Mark that you said he is useless in ministry. Now we see Paul. He cries for John Mark to bring to be brought back to him. John Mark had matured at this point. And he became so faithful in ministry. He was so good in saving in ministry. And Paul recognized the progress in John Mark's life. And he considered him a valuable companion. Philemon chapter 123 and 24. Epaphras, my fellow prisoner in Christ Jesus, sends you his greetings. Look at what Paul says in verse 24. He says, so do John Mark, Aristarchus, Demas, and Luke, my who? My co-workers. Now Paul recognized John Mark as his co-worker. They work together in ministry and he recognized him as his co-worker. John Mark eventually he recorded Peter's account of Jesus. Remember, John Mark was uh, was walking around with Peter, preaching all over. They went to Babylon and many places. As as he was going around, he was recording everything that Peter was saying. So what John Mark finally did, he wrote a book. He wrote a book, and this book actually everything that he said was told by Peter. Peter was, the, he was one of the disciples of Jesus. So it was first-hand information that he had. So John Mark eventually recorded Peter's account of Jesus' life. He would write everything that Peter was talking about. And that book is called the Gospel of Mark. That's the Gospel of Mark, the second Gospel that we have uh, in the Bible. In actual fact, that is the first Gospel that was written. Some people, they will call it the gospel according to Peter because all the information that's in there, John Mark, he got it from Peter. So his book was the first gospel to be composed. His book was used as a reference. When, John, when, when, when Luke, Dr. Luke, wanted to write his book, Luke, he used John Mark's book as a reference. He used his, his book as a reference because as he was doing his research and investigation, the material that he had at that point was the book of Mark. So he used Mark's book to write uh, the book of Luke. And here we have the Synoptic Gospels. We have uh, Mark, Matthew, Mark and Luke. All these, 
They are all more synoptic because they all share the content. They have a lot of things in, uh, uh, that are similar. You know, we have miracles that are similar, parables, the teachings, crucifixion and resurrection, all this stuff, they are all found in the three Gospels. But then the Gospel of John is different from the, the synoptic Gospels. Mark chapter 15, verse 1, the Bible says, And they compelled a passerby coming from the country, Simon of Cyrene, the father of Alexander and Rufus, to carry his cross. So here we see John Mark, he records another incident that involves another African here. Simon of Cyrene. So they came from the same place. So here we see him writing about Simon of Cyrene. Simon of Cyrene is the one who helped Jesus at the cross, to carry the cross. Simon, who helped Jesus carry the cross, was also from Cyrene, or what you call Shehat, in Libya today. So a church later was established in Cyrene. Peter later he sent John Mark to Alexandria in Africa to share the gospel. So here we see John Mark, later he went to Africa. He was sent by Peter. After he finished writing the, the book of, of Mark, he went to, to Africa, he went back home. He went to Alexandria. Alexandria is in Egypt. That's where he went and he established a church over there. Actually, Mark, the evangelist, he was the first bishop of Alexandria. Even today, history testifies. I said that he is the first bishop of Alexandria in Africa. Among the first pastors to establish a Christian church in Africa. So the gospel in Africa was brought by Africans. It was not brought by whites. It was not brought by, uh, by, colony, uh, the, by the colonists. It was brought by Africans. John Mark, who wrote the book of Mark that we enjoy today. Let's quickly go through the book of, uh, of Mark. John Mark, his book, the Gospel of Mark, has 16 chapters, as you know. And his emphasis was that Jesus is the Messiah. He kept on emphasizing it right from the beginning, in the middle of his book, and also towards the end of his book. Let's look at the beginning of the book. Mark chapter 1, verse 1. He says, this is the good news about Jesus, the Messiah, the Son of God. I wanted to make sure that people know that it's all about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Almost half of Mark's gospel, it focuses on the final week of the life of Jesus. At the center of the gospel of Mark, Mark chapter 8, in verse 27, Jesus and his disciples left Galilee and went up to the villages near Caesarea Philippi. As they were walking along, he asked them, Who do people say I am? Verse 28, Well, they replied, Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, and others say you are one of the other prophets. Right at the center, we see John Mark, he puts this he wanted to make sure this narrative is so nobody should miss it. Whether you only read the first part of, of his book, you will find that Jesus is the Messiah. Whether you read at the center of his book, you will find that Jesus is the Messiah. Even towards the end of his book, he makes sure that anyone who will touch his book, he knows that Jesus is the Messiah. Verse 29. Then he said to them, or he asked them, But who do you say I am? And Peter replied, You are the Messiah. Messiah here, it means it is a Hebrew word. That means you, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. Messiah means the anointed one. 
So Lord is his title. Lord Jesus Christ. Lord is his title. Oh Lord means you are the owner. You own something. Jesus is his name. And Christ. Christ it means he's the anointed one. Because there was so many. Jesus was a common name by the way at that point. Jesus was a common name. So since Jesus has a common name, to separate, differentiate him from the other Jesus, so they would say, Jesus Christ. Christ means, this one is the anointed one. He's the Messiah. He's Yeshua. Yeshua means Jesus. Yeshua, the Messiah. Yeshua, Hamashiach. Jesus, Lord. He wanted to make sure that everybody knows that Jesus is Lord. And he closes his book with this powerful confession of this Roman soldier. In, in Mark chapter 15, when he closes his book, let's look at what John Mark says. When the Roman officer who stood facing him saw how he died, that's when he saw how Jesus died, he exclaimed, Oh, this man truly was the son of God. He's a Messiah. It is all about Jesus. My brother, my sister, the gospel should be about Jesus. The Messiah, the Son of God. Mark's book focuses on Jesus as the center of the gospel. He's the beginning, he's the end, he's the alpha and the omega of the gospel. If the gospel is not about Jesus, if the gospel is about you, if the gospel is about your bishop, if the gospel is about your prophet, if the gospel is about your, your pastor, if the gospel is about your house, if the gospel is about your, your, your cars, if the gospel is about your money, that is not the gospel of Christ. The gospel should be about Jesus. The gospel should be about Christ, the Messiah, the Lord, Jesus, Christ. Paul says, he put it so clear in 1 Corinthians chapter 123. Paul says, but we preach who? We preach Christ crucified. We preach Christ crucified. That should be the center of our, of our gospel. In verse 24 he says, but unto them which are called both Jews... And Greeks, whether you are a Jew, whether you are a Greek, whether you are a Gentile, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. Everything we know about God is in Christ. So the gospel must be about Christ. Jesus. The name that is more powerful than philosophies. Jesus. There is salvation in that name. There is healing in that name. There is wisdom in that name. There is freedom in that name. That is the name that is above all the names. The name of Jesus. John Mark says everything should be about Jesus. The gospel should be about Jesus. If it's not about Jesus, that is not the gospel of Jesus. As we are going to close, let's look at some few lessons that we learned from John Mark. Number one, you can live a, a life-changing legacy. As a second chair leader. Here we see John Mark. He left a legacy. We see John Mark. He left a legacy. Even without a position of prominence. He was not a leader in the church. He was not a chairperson. He was not a president. He was not a director. He did not have one of those titles. Or an apostle. He was just an ordinary young man. But he left a legacy. He left us with, 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 with a book of Mark. The gospel of Mark. He left us with a church in Africa. He brought the gospel to Africa. This young man who is not even well known to many people. 
Brothers and sisters, number two is life is unpredictable. You never know who you will need later in life. Let's not behave like Paul did. Let's not reject people. The very same person that you reject, you may need them later in your life. Learn to reconcile with people. Learn to give people grace. Learn to forgive people. Paul needed John Mark later in life. He realized that this young man that I rejected, he's so valuable in ministry. He's so valuable in ministry. We also have to learn that not everyone may finish with us. Not everyone will finish the journey with you. If you start a church, some will start the church with you. Two, three months later, they will leave you. Just like John Mark did with Paul. Some will start a church with you. Two years later, they will leave you. They will start a ministry with you. Later, they will leave you. It's okay. You have to understand that not everyone will finish with you. When people want to leave, let them leave. It's okay. You don't have to try to push everybody to come to you. No. By the way, we are not sent out also to, to convince people to stay with us. No. We are sent out to preach the gospel of Jesus. And Jesus should be our focus. Another lesson is give people the same grace that you received. You have to learn to forgive people. Forgiveness is the key. I could imagine if Paul did not forgive John Mark, maybe he would not have reached the level where he reached in ministry. Because he would have lived with unforgiveness. He would have lived with grudges. But at some point, Paul realized that I have to reconcile with this young man so that I can move on in ministry. Today we know Paul as he is. We know how Paul wrote almost more than half of the New Testament. And the key is he reconciled with John Mark. The key is he did not have grudges. He did not hold grudges with John Mark. Don't hold grudges with those people who have left you. Release them. Release them. Set them free. Let's look at Peter here. Grace is more powerful than revenge. Peter said, I see you have blundered John Mark. I see you have made mistakes. But I want to give you grace. I want to give you grace. And he welcomed him back in ministry. He helped him to get back into ministry again. And also, as he helped them to get into ministry again, you have to learn to forgive people. Even if they did not ask for forgiveness. You know, sometimes it does not help to keep holding grudges and you say, no, he owes me an apology. He owes me. What if he never comes and apologizes to you? So you will never forgive him? By the way, when you talk about reconciliation here and forgiveness, reconciliation and forgiveness is not the same thing. You can forgive somebody even if you don't reconcile with them. It takes one person to forgive and that person is you. But if you have to reconcile, the other person has to be willing also. So reconciliation takes two people but forgiveness takes only one person. It's your responsibility to forgive. And there is a possibility that you can reconcile or you may not reconcile. It's okay because if the other person is not willing, the other person is not available to reconcile with you, it's okay to move on with life. But when it comes to forgiveness, it's you who want to forgive and say, I don't want to hold a grudge against this person anymore. Then you forgive them and move on. The better person does the right thing first. And the right thing in this situation is to forgive. You are the right person. You are the one who should forgive first. Even if they did not come to apologize, don't walk around and you know with a long neck and say they owe me an apology. They owe me an okay, they owe me an apology, but you can still forgive them, even if they did not ask for for, for forgiveness. 
Even if they didn't come to apologize, you can still forgive them. Because you want to be like Paul, to move and reach your potential in life. You have to forgive people. You have to reconcile where possible with people. See potential in people. Believe in them. Be like Peter. Peter saw potential in Mark. He did not reject him. He did not throw him out. He saw potential in John Mark. Prayer changes things. I could imagine the day John Mark came back home after he left ministry. What did Mary say? What did his mother say? I'm sure she just continued to pray for him. She prayed for him. She prayed for him. Because it was a house of prayer. Her home was a home of prayer. Always she, she believed in prayer. She trusted in prayer. And God changed John Mark's heart. Because she prayed, she prayed for him. My brother, my sister, don't stop praying for your loved ones. Don't stop praying for your children. Don't stop praying for, for, your, for, for your family. Continue to pray for them. Because God will touch them. God will use your prayer to touch them. And also, we have to understand, Lord Jesus should be the center of our gospel and our relationships. Jesus must be the Lord and the center of our gospel. Let's not preach other things. Let's preach only the gospel of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Don't preach about your houses. Don't preach about your cars. Don't preach about how rich you are and you try to show off. No, that is not the gospel. That's prosperity. By the way, prosperity, anybody can prosper. I always say this, you know, when you need a house, when somebody buys a house, they don't even ask in that form that you complete. They don't even ask if you are a Christian or not. So, just because you have a house does not make you a Christian. Just because you bought a car, it does not make you a Christian. You buy a car, when you need only two things or three things. As long as you have a stable job, proof of income, and you have enough money for deposit, that's all that you need to buy a car. It has nothing to do with your Christianity. It has nothing to do with your Christianity. There are a lot of people who have bought cars, by the way. If you look in your neighborhood, there are people who have bigger houses than yours. Some of them, they are not even Christians. Some of them, they are even atheists. They even criticize Christians and churches. So you don't buy a house because you are a Christian. You buy a house because you have a good credit and you have money for deposit. So we can't use houses and replace it you know, we use it to replace the gospel. We have to focus on Christ, the center of the gospel. Jesus must be the center of the gospel and nothing else, not prosperity. Jesus is the center of the gospel. And lastly, Paul rejected John Mark, but John Mark did not give up. Do not allow your past failures and disappointments limit you. Some of you, you feel like you have failed in life. You did not make it in life. You have been disappointed in life. Disappointed by, by, in your relationships. Disappointed in your family. Disappointed even by your own church. Disappointed even by your own pastor. Disappointed by your friends. Disappointed by everyone around you. They disappointed you. Maybe as I'm talking right now, you just received the message today. That all our relationship is over. I don't know what you're going through in your life. Be like John Mark. John Mark was a failure. He, disapp- he, was, I mean, he disappointed Paul. He disappointed his parents. But he never gave up. He did not allow his disappointments to limit him in life. And finally, as I close, man's rejection is not God's rejection. 
people will reject you. Just because somebody rejected you, it does not make you rejected by God. They are human beings. They have their own failures. Even just imagine, just imagine, of all the people you are rejected by Paul, the greatest, the greatest apostle, the greatest apostle who ever lived, the greatest evangelist who ever lived, he rejects you. How would you feel? How would you feel if you are rejected by your own pastor? You are rejected by your manager at work. You are rejected by your own peers. You are rejected by your own brothers and sisters. You are rejected by your own husband. You are rejected by your own wife. You are rejected by your own children. Even if everybody has rejected you, my brother, my sister, God has not rejected you. God still accepts you with your faults. God still accepts you with your failures. And he says, you can still make this right. You can still make things right. Don't give up on yourself. Come back to God. Repent. Just repent and change your life and do what is right. And God will bless you for that. People's rejection is not God's rejection. Maybe as I'm speaking, you know, others have rejected you, even in your own group, in your own cycles. Some of your friends that you work with in the community, they even form their own small WhatsApp group and they exclude you. You're not part of that group. You're not part of the core group. You feel rejected. You feel unloved. You feel unwanted. My brother, my sister, God still loves you. God still has a future for you. We see what happened with John Mark. He was rejected by Paul. By the same John Mark, he finally wrote the book of Mark. That is still in existence today. That we are still reading today. We are still enjoying even today. The very same John Mark, he's the one who took the gospel to Africa. Today we speak of Christianity in Africa. Because of the very same John Mark who was rejected. May God help us. May God help you. You stay strong. No matter who rejects you. No matter your pain. No matter what you are going through right now. God loves you. And He will always love you. In everything that you do. God bless you.